Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everybody, it's Dan. This is our Tuesday podcast. Here's what we've got coming for you today. Mary Kay Cabot and Doug Lay Maurice are on the pod with me, and Doug is going to throw snappy questions at Mary Kay and me, and we're going to come up with answers to all of them. So that is coming up after I tell you about Football Insider, which of course gives you exclusive access to stories on Cleveland.com, an exclusive newsletter every day in your inbox written by a member of our Browns team, and a chance to sign up as one of our text subscribers uh, where you get news, analysis, all of that stuff, pregame chat every week, right? This is the time to check out Football Insider because we have so much stuff coming your way. So head to cleveland.com slash Browns, click on the blue banner up at the top of the page, get all the information and get yourself signed up. Okay, here we go. On to our Tuesday podcast. Okay, and away we go on our Tuesday pod. Doug, take it away. All right, so we got some snappy questions for Dan Lobby and Mary Kay Cabot here. And listen, there's a lot of interesting matchups, but certainly the Steelers' defense at full strength, as full strength as they can be given their injuries, is a big deal. We didn't see that in Week 17. By PFF grade, TJ Watt leads them at 91.6. Cameron Hayward is third at 89.1. Minka Fitzpatrick is fifth on the team in PFF grade defensively at 79.5. Of those three, TJ Watt, Cameron Hayward, Minka Fitzpatrick, which Steelers defender should worry the Browns the most this week in their prep? I'm going to say TJ Watt. I mean, look, Minka Fitzpatrick played against the Browns in this game uh, yesterday. I think that TJ Watt will be the X factor in this game because obviously uh, he's a game wrecker. As Mike Tomlin put it the other day, he comes from another planet. I mean, this guy makes amazing plays. He's got speed. He's got explosiveness. He leads the NFL with 15 sacks. He's one of the best players. He might end up as NFL defensive player of the year. When you've got that guy on the field, it can change everything. He's Cleveland's version, obviously, of Miles Garrett. But Miles Garrett, as we know, hasn't really been himself since he came back from COVID-19. He's still shaking off the after effects. But when Miles was himself, uh, he was a major reason why they were winning games. And and I think that's how how it will be with TJ. They're going to have to account for him on every single play. They'll probably move him around. Uh, You know, they're going to have to... Baker Mayfield is going to have TJ in his head. He's going to have to know where he is on every single play. I'm going TJ. I will go with Cameron Hayward 
Uh, I was thinking Minka Fitzpatrick, but I think him and TJ kind of go hand in hand. You know, that pressure creating maybe a bad throw and Minka kind of manning that center field position taking advantage. I will go Cam Hayward because he is an absolute monster in the middle of that line. I think he's really important to them stopping the run. Doug, you were mentioning PFF grades. Now, TJ Watt is really good against the run. Cam Hayward is their second best run defender, uh, according to PFF. And I look, Joel Batonio has gone against Cam Hayward a million times. Uh, JC Treader has gone against him a bunch of times. And those are the matchups that are going to really matter inside because, you know, even though the Browns have gotten more and more pass heavy, really, since going back to Jacksonville, they're still going to try and run the football. And if they have a lead, they're certainly going to want to run the football. And I think Cam Hayward is going to be a big piece to the Steelers trying to stop that. So I'll go with Cam. All right, let's flip this now to the other side and think about the Pittsburgh defense getting ready for this Browns offense this week. And isn't it wonderful to have offensive players that defensive teams have to worry about? Which Browns offensive player should the Steelers be most worried about this week? Is it Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb, or Jarvis Landry? And Dan, you start this one. I'm going to take Jarvis. I, you know, I've, I've said over and over, and I think Jarvis is really important to what this offense does. I think the, his ability to be kind of that eye candy before the snap uh, changes what a defense, you know, has to do and how they can adjust. I think his ability to even take a handoff, line up in the backfield, line up in any position that worries me if I'm Pittsburgh, that means that that's a few more hours during the week that I have to spend figuring out what this team's going to do with Jarvis Landry. So um, I'll, I'll pick Jarvis in this one. You know, I'm going to go with Baker Mayfield this time because Baker Mayfield has stopped throwing interceptions. In that first game, the the Pittsburgh Steelers basically uh, won that game largely because Minka Fitzpatrick got it started with a 33-yard pick six against Baker Mayfield. He threw a second pick in that game, and they just had him so completely rattled, okay? The offensive line did not play particularly well that game either, and they didn't have Nick Chubb. But when you have your offensive line playing well, which I think they will play better this time around, and when you have Nick Chubb, then you have a much better Baker Mayfield. And when Baker is on point, then he can be very dangerous and he can utilize all of his weapons and he's got plenty of them. And, and I think that, uh, I think as you saw in the game yesterday, Baker is so determined uh, to advance this team and to get it to where it wants to go and to set the new standard and all the things that he wants to do. Uh, I, I just see uh, just a steely resolve in his eyes. Uh, I, I think he's so fired up and determined for this playoff run. Uh, I think he's going to come out all guns blazing. And I think he's the one they have to worry about. All right. Since nobody said Nick Chubb for that answer, <laughs> I have a special separate Nick Chubb question. And this gets into Kevin Stefanski play calling a little bit. And Kevin Stefanski's play calling is one of those things that pops up on Twitter sort of during the game sometimes. It's like, and usually when it pops up on Twitter, it's why aren't they running the ball more? because they were so effective in the middle of the season running the ball as Baker was kind of working it out. And now the pass game has come around, but I still think sometimes people think, well, like it's third and three, why aren't they running? And there were at least a couple play calls on Sunday that I'm not here to question Kevin Stefanski's play calling because like he's done an awesome job and okay. Like maybe you're not batting a thousand, but I am curious about it. Sometimes when you look at Chubb, the last couple games, 14 carries for one Oh eight, uh, on Sunday, 11 for 28 in the Jets win. That was nuts. 15 for 50, 17 for 82. 
what is the correct number of carries for Nick Chubb in this game? And obviously the way the game goes is going to affect that. So maybe corrects the wrong adjective, maybe the ideal number of carries. If the game goes exactly how Stefanski would like it to go, Mary Kay, how many carries should Nick Chubb have against the Steelers? You know, I, I think you need him up around 20-something. I, I think he's going to need uh, more than he had in the game yesterday uh, to get to 100 yards, and that's the magic number for them. When, when Nick Chubb rushes for 100 yards, uh, they win football games. I think there's something like 8-0 when he rushes for 100 yards. So I think you want that to happen, and I think it's going to take more than 14 yards, 14 carries to get there because, as, as you mentioned, Dan, uh, Cam Hayward's going to be back. TJ Watt is back in this game. Uh, and and the, the defense is going to be better than it was on uh, on Sunday. So I would say probably somewhere around 23 carries is what you are going to need from Nick. I don't do know think, what the, I, I don't know what the ideal number is. I'll say this, that that hundred yard number is, is important because what it tells you is the Browns were winning the game and they were able to feed Nick Chubb and work that clock down. We saw it against Cincinnati. We, we, we've seen that formula over and over again. Um, a lot of times when you see that, that record, when a guy runs for a hundred yards, you kind of look back and say, it's because that guy was so effective in the second half when that team had the lead and they were just able to lean on him. And that's what they want to do with Nick Chubb. And that's what they want to do with Kareem Hunt. So listen, this is going to be a passing offense moving forward. Mary Kay, you've said that before, too. I mean, this is an analytics-driven organization, an analytics-driven front office. That's going to favor throwing the football a little more, and especially early in the game and building that lead through passing. But I guess the ideal number for Nick Chubb, I'm going to go about 15. I actually don't know if you want to just spend the whole game just feeding the ball to Nick Chubb over and over again. I think you do want to try and loosen things up with the pass game. And if Nick Chubb gets to 25 carries, I've got good news for you, Browns fans. You're playing divisional weekend. And it is hard. I mean, I don't, I, I wanted to separate this and make this a Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb question and not a Chubb and Hunt question, because I do feel like Nick Chubb, there's a little more magic when he has the ball, right? There's a little more chance that something is going to pop. And Kareem is really can get tough yards and that kind of thing. And they work together. If they were one person, they would have, finished second in the NFL in rushing yards this year behind Derrick Henry, who is like two people. <laughs> that guy's a monster. He ran for 2000 yards, but I mean, we combine them so much, but there is part of me that like really likes the idea of like Nick Chubb getting up to like carry 16, carry 17, carry 18 in the second half, because that's when the magic happens sometimes. And it's like, whether it's a tight game or they're putting somebody away, that's when he pops one of those 35 yard runs sometimes. And I feel like maybe there hasn't been quite as much of that the last couple of weeks. So I think I might lean a little more towards Mary Kay's number there, but Mary Kay, you brought this up. This is a very kind of a, which pick one or the other question. We'll start with Dan who has the edge in this game, the Browns offensive line or the Steelers defensive line. Oh, this is a good one. I think the Browns offensive line actually has the edge when we're looking across at the entire unit. Um, I, I like the Browns five working together. So if, if you've got Jack Conklin, Wyatt Teller, JC Treader, Joel Batonio, and now Jedrick Wills going into the 17th game of his career, I think the Browns offensive line has that edge and they've played against the Steelers together. 
Uh, they they kind of know they know how that feels, and I'm sure they're still upset over what happened in that first game, although I don't know that that was entirely on the offensive line. I think there were a lot of offensive issues in that game in particular. Um, so I'm going to say that the Browns' offensive line, I, I trust those guys to be able to perform against the Steelers' defensive line, especially because this isn't the same Steelers, quite the same Steelers' front that they won against that first time uh, with Bud Dupree out. And even though, even though Devin Bush is a linebacker, he's a guy that could come up and be a run stopper. Um, so I guess, I, I guess I'm talking more about the front seven in general, but I, I trust the Browns offensive line. That's what I was going to ask. Are we precisely uh, limiting, limiting it to the defensive line or can we go defensive front? Because uh, you know, if, if you're adding in, uh, you know, TJ Watt, and if you're adding in uh, the, you know, some of their linebackers, I, I would go with the Steelers defensive front, however they line it up, I would give them the edge over the Browns offensive line. And I think you even saw yesterday, they did some things to rattle the Browns offensive line. Now, they also gave them an opportunity to get those things cleaned up by this Sunday night. You can't be false starting three times. They're, they were doing something uh, to make them do that. Uh, and they're going to figure it out and they're going to get that cleaned up. But when, when you have, when you add cam and TJ back to this mix and you already had, uh, you know, the guys that you had in there, uh, you know, that did a nice job, the Wormleys and the uh, Aluahu, however you say that. Um, I, I just think that uh, the Browns would have to play better than the, they will have to play better than they played yesterday. And they'll have to play better than they played in the first game. Baker was sacked four times yesterday and they did not have TJ or Cam. These guys are gonna come out with their hair on fire. They're gonna be at home. They're gonna, they're gonna believe with every fiber of their being that they're winning this game, the Steelers. And, uh, and, and, and I think that, I don't know, I just think they're gonna have the edge. All right, so let's merge into a question that is a little more about the, the Pittsburgh defense as a whole. And I do think it's a little bit hard to analyze this. And Mary Kay, you brought this up before we started to analyze the Pittsburgh defense because week 17 didn't tell us anything. That was meaningless. But where the Steelers were the first time they played the Browns, they've lost some guys since then. Devin Bush got hurt in that game. So you think about the fact that Devin Bush is out. Bud Dupree is out. Is Joe Hayden going to be available for this game, Mary Kay? Do we know? I mean, are we assuming no based on his COVID timeline? I'm, I'm assuming no. I am assuming no. But sometimes, uh, you know, there, there are little rules and nuances with COVID. And you don't know if a guy is symptomatic or he's not and when the clock starts on them. Okay. So we don't know for sure if Joe Hayden's going to play or not, but for purposes of the, this discussion, let's assume that he's not going to play because he didn't get added to the list until Saturday. I think it was. Um, so Joe Hayden, Bud Dupree, Devin Bush, those three guys are out from the first meeting. Okay, so let me interject real quick. This is my question on that specifically. Okay. If the Steelers' defense in that first meeting with all those guys was a 10, let's just say that's a really good defense. The first time the Browns faced them, they were a 10. What are they now with the guys they've lost? All right, so, I mean, you know, you lose good players. It affects you a little bit. Are they a four now? Are they still a nine because their backups are so good? You know, if, if that's what's in the heads of Browns fans, man, that, that first game Steelers' defense – that's a 10. What's it now? 
you know, I would say I'm going somewhere between seven and a half and eight, because if you don't have Joe Hayden, I think we saw yesterday uh, what can happen when you don't have your best cornerback in the game. Okay. That that's when bad things happen to you. That's when you've got, uh, you know, Justin Lane giving up big passes and things like that. So if they don't have Joe Hayden, I think that's really going to hurt them. And they all are already, uh, you know, down two amazing players in Dupree and Devin Bush. However, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. Somehow they just come up with the next guy and, and they do a really, really good job of that. Now it is hard when you take eight sacks out of the lineup, which is what Bud Dupree was, but I think they can overcome that. The one that I think it will be most difficult to overcome will be your best cornerback. That's, that's going to be the killer for them. So this team ends the season um, DVOA defensively, number one in the league, uh, number one pass DVOA, number five rush DVOA defensively. Uh, didn't play a, a great schedule of offenses necessarily, but this is still a really good defense. So I'm going to put them at, I, I still think they're, did you say seven, Mary Kay? I said seven and a half to eight. Okay. I'm, I'm going to put them at a seven um, because I still think there's talent there. I still think you have guys you can point to that can make those individual plays to change games. And I'm going to give Mike Tomlin some credit here. You know, I'll never forget the, when, the, when the Browns played the Steelers last year, hearing the stories about Mike Tomlin just drawing up a defense at halftime and figuring out a way to shut down that Browns offense. Now we can have a Freddie Kitchens discussion if we really want to, but that, you know, that was the story that came out of that game when Duck Hodges beat the Browns. Um, so I'm going to give Mike Tomlin and, and Keith Butler some credit here. And I think that Steelers defense is still really good. I, I think it's a good system. And I think they can put players in who, who can be effective and they still have enough individual playmakers on that defense to still be really good. Hey, I need to back up real quick on one thing. I do think that it's when we talk, when we answered the question about the Browns offensive line versus their defensive front, it must be noted that the Browns might be without their offensive line coach, Bill Callahan. He's brilliant. Okay. So if these guys are doing something to them, uh, to get them off of their, their mark and to confuse them and to try to mess them up. Uh, they're going to have to virtually be trying to figure that out. And they have the technology to do that, but I think it, it will be just a little bit more difficult than if he could actually be at the game. It's interesting how that kind of stuff has, has affected football this year. That's been a thing in college, you know, Ohio state beat Clemson, while Clemson's offensive coordinator was out with COVID and, and Ohio state lost in the big 10 championship game when Brian Hartline, their receivers coach without was, was out with COVID. And it's just guys are talking about you're going to the sideline to make adjustments with your long trusted position coach. And he's not there. Right. And it matters. It really does matter. Those in-game adjustments really matter. And you, America, as you said, Callahan is invaluable for that stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, another quickie. This We're going to go spin the other side of the ball again. Denzel Ward, again, if we're operating under the assumption that Joe Hayden will not play, Mary Kay, is it fair to operate under the assumption, unless something changes, that Denzel Ward will play? I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes, he will play. Because when I do the math, I get him back on the field after 10 days of isolation. I see. I, I mean, even if he had the test administered on Thursday, that still gets him back on Sunday. The fact that the game is on Sunday was a huge, huge boost for the Browns in terms of getting Denzel Ward back. And as you guys saw in the game yesterday, they have some really good receivers. When they, when they are on and they're hanging onto the ball, 
they are real. This is a really good trio of receivers and, and then some. All right. And, so, yeah. so that's so there, this is this is the question. Then I'll let Dan start this one first. Yeah. Denzel Ward's return. If we're going to assume that he's back on a scale of one to 10, how big is that for the Browns? One being like, it makes no difference. 10 being like, it might be the thing that's the difference in the game between them winning and losing. How big of a deal is Denzel Ward, Dan? I'm going, I'm going 10. I I mean, I watched, I watched Mason Rudolph spend yesterday picking on Robert Jackson the whole game. And I mean, that's Mason Rudolph. You think big Ben wasn't watching that game and thinking, yeah, if Robert Jackson's out there, I'm throwing on him every single time. I feel so much better about things. If Denzel Ward gets some reps against Chase Claypool or get some chances to go against Juju, uh, Deontay John, I, I just feel better having Denzel Ward out there. I think when you talk about for so many reasons, right? You talk about just the player Ward is, you talk about the area of the defense that, you know, outside of linebacker, I guess, the area of the defense that is the most questionable right now. And you talk about positional importance, right? The most important defensive position, depending on who you talk to, is either edge rusher or cornerback. So I think Denzel Ward, if he's 100% Denzel Ward, is a 10. What do you say, Mary Kay? Yeah, you know what? I, I'm going to say either 9 or 10. I mean, I think it's absolutely huge. If you have a weak link back there, the other team is going to attack, attack, attack it. We saw it yesterday. We saw it. I mean, Mason Rudolph hit passes of 41, 41, and 47 yards. That's the difference between having Denzel Ward and not having Denzel Ward. And KJ, Kevin Johnson is out too. And I don't think Kevin Johnson is going to make it back. I think he's positive. Uh, we, we haven't had that confirmed yet. I think he's positive. I don't think he's back. So if both of those guys were out, then you're going to be down to uh, Robert Jackson again. And they, that, I mean, that would just be almost catastrophic in this game. But um, I think Denzel is going to be back. And I think he's going to be a major reason why the Browns either keep it close or win the game. Robert Jackson, by the way, yesterday, 10 targets thrown his direction. This is according to PFF and gave mm -hmm. up a 104.2 quarterback rating when he was in coverage, which actually was not the worst on the team. Terrence Mitchell and MJ Stewart were actually worse, but still 10 targets thrown Robert Jackson's way. And that tells you that when mm -hmm. the Steelers see Robert Jackson out there, that tells you who they're going to go after. All right. So let's talk about the guy who's going to be going after those Browns cornerbacks, Ben Roethlisberger. I am going to write about this this week. We just had our big meeting about everything. Everybody's writing. I forgot to say this. The three I've been tracking the young quarterbacks off and on all year. The three AFC matchups this weekend are all young quarterback versus old quarterback. And it is the three quarterbacks from the class of 2018, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield all in these playoff games. It's Lamar Jackson against Ryan Tannehill. It's Josh Allen against Phillip Rivers. And it's Baker Mayfield against Ben Roethlisberger. I love this kind of generational quarterback thing. Mm -hmm. Ben Roethlisberger, what he's done this year on a scale of one to 10, how fearful should Browns fans be of what this guy is going to do potentially against the Browns on Sunday? Not based on history, but based on who he has been this year and how he's played one is no worries 10 is oh my goodness he is going to boot us out of the playoffs and give us nightmares mary Kay, go ahead I, i'm gonna i'm gonna give that a 10 i mean it's ben ben roethlisberger and i i it's very difficult for me to separate history from this game because i have seen him do 
so many amazing things against the Cleveland Browns. He gets up for the Browns. I think in some ways he can still get his game face on a little bit about the fact that they passed on him in 2004. Uh, he has fed off of that for years. Uh, I, I just think that um, he's playing, he came back to life in the second half of that Colts game. He kind of woke up. I thought maybe uh, he was starting to lose it a little bit, but I think what was happening more so than anything is that his guys were dropping passes. His guys were dropping passes like crazy. So if these guys hang on, if they can hang on to the ball and make amazing plays, then he becomes extremely, extremely dangerous. And he got his bye week. He got a week to rest. Now, either that will kill the momentum he had going from the second half of the Colts game, or it will give him just enough uh, energy and life to pull this game off. I'd be afraid. I, I can't go to 10. Um, honestly, I'm, I'm going to stay closer to the middle on this, but I'm going to, I'm going to go just a little bit over the, over the middle. I'm going to go six just because I do think Ben figured, figured a little something out in that Colts game. And there's something interesting from that game too. When Juju Smith Schuster kind of let it, let it out that maybe Ben was calling the plays in that second half. And that's the part of Ben that, I think makes you nervous still. He's not the Ben Roethlisberger of however, I don't know, pick a year. He's not the hall of fame version of Ben Roethlisberger right now. He's at the very clearly at the tail end of his career. He's not that guy anymore, but he's still got that brain and he's got that ability. If he sees something to take advantage of it. And anytime you have a veteran quarterback, who can still do some of the things Ben can do. That can be dangerous. And it kind of goes back to the, to the thing I've been saying. I apologize to Robert Jackson. I've been so hard on him here in, the, in this spot. But that kind of goes back to that. If Ben notices something, not only does he have the ability to kind of find it, but he's, he doesn't care. He's, if he wants to take over and start calling plays in the huddle, he'll do it. Um, so I, I think there should still be a little bit of a fear factor and a little bit of a respect factor with Big Ben. But to me, it's not quite what it, what it used to be. It is remarkable what the second half of that Indianapolis game did for him. I mean, there were people like wondering if he maybe should be benched because the two games before that against Buffalo, 187 yards, 21 of 37, two touchdowns, two picks against Cincinnati, 20 of 38, 170 yards, one interception, one pick, and then was not feeling against Indy and then found it. As you guys said, he found it. And it's like, Oh, there he is. And then he sat out. So he had like, five bad halves one awesome half and then he sat out and that's what his last six halves have been he was really good before that so i'll be curious to see which ben roethlisberger shows up in this game on sunday last one brown's defense not to end this on a downer but they are who they are there's not any point in waiting you know necessarily for much to change although you know i thought jacob phillips prayed pretty decently at middle linebacker um, on Sunday. That was helpful, right? And Ronnie Harrison kind of working his way back in. Maybe wasn't full Ronnie Harrison. Maybe he'll be closer to full Ronnie Harrison this week. We'll start with you, Dan. Another scale of one to 10. How much faith do you have in this Browns defense mm -hmm. for Sunday? And, and I, I don't ask that like in the context of that 10 is being the best defense in the NFL because that that would be like 100. Like there's, it's not on the scale. It's not going to happen. But just like them, 
playing well enough to give the Browns a good chance to win, right? To, to play as close to whatever their peak is. One is no faith. 10 is the utmost faith. Where are you? Well, I'm going to err on the opposite side that I did on Big Ben. I'm going to go with a four here. And I just think, I think losing Olivier Vernon is enormous. The way he's been playing. Um, I mean, he was having an incredible second half, putting up multi-sack games, creating pressure, you know, making plays in the run game. And I think losing him matters. Uh, the Browns have done a great job of replacing guys when they've been out. And, and that's a credit to Joe Woods and, and this staff. Uh, but at some point, something like this is going to come back and bite you. And I think losing Vernon is really big because it just allows the Steelers to focus a little more on Miles Garrett. They're going to spend the week figuring out how to attack Porter Gustin and Adrian Claiborne. And, and, you know, at least you have Adrian Claiborne who you can put out there, a guy that's, you know, been to a Super Bowl and is experienced and can play well. But uh, I'm worried about that. I'm still worried about what they have going in the secondary, even with Ronnie Harrison back. Uh, and we don't know how close to 100% Denzel Ward's going to be. We just don't know enough about that situation yet. So I'm not super confident in this defense. I've said this all season. They are boom or bust. They're either going to force turnovers or they're not. And if they're not, then the Browns are going to have to score some points to win this game. I'm going to go a little higher with this defense. I'm going to, I'm going to give it a seven. Uh, I, I think this is a very scrappy defense. I think it hurts a lot to lose Olivier Vernon uh, because when Miles went out with COVID, Olivier just picked up the ball and, and he has kind of taken over uh, for Miles just in terms of getting sacks and, and, and that kind of stuff in this last half of the season. Uh, so that, that does hurt. Uh, but this is a scrappy defense. And if Denzel Ward is back there, and I'm just going to say I think he's going to be back. If you've got Denzel Ward, and you've got Ronnie Harrison back there. Uh, there's a bunch of other sort of role players that I think they come up with a big play when you need it, like MJ Stewart. He can do a lot of things in a game uh, that aren't good, and then he's going to go get the interception. And that's what this defense sort of is to me. Uh, it, it's a defense that has a ton of fighters. I mean, these guys are scrappy fighters. And somehow uh, they, they seem to be able to find a way. So I, I'm going to give them a little bit more credit than, you know, maybe I possibly should, but I'm going to give them a seven. All right. I'm out of snappy questions. Dan, I'll hand you back the microphone. Well, that was all very snappy, Doug. Very good. Uh, hey, check out Football Insider. That's what you're going to hand me back the microphone to tell everybody. Go to cleveland.com slash Browns. Uh, I told you about it off the very top of the show. Click on that blue banner at the top of the page and get signed up because this is it. The Browns are in the playoffs. This is when you want to get involved in Football Insider. Uh, I'm telling you, people that sign up for this, they absolutely love it, especially people that do the texting. Uh, it's great. So this is when you want to try it out here because who knows what's going to happen with the Browns here over the next uh, four weeks. Maybe they'll be done on Sunday or maybe they'll still be playing a game in February. But you want to be with us on Football Insider to find out. All right, uh, Doug, thanks for those questions. Mary Kay, thanks for joining me in the answers. We'll talk to everybody later.